listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, I'm Ricardo Gonsalves with SBS On The Money from the SBS Newsroom. For this Monday, the 9th of November 2020, it is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap. Later, new houses in Australia are getting larger, get credit card balances are getting smaller. But first to the US election and Joe Biden's win has been welcomed by investors globally. So what typically happens with a Democrat president and a Republican Congress? For that and more, I spoke earlier with Shane Oliver. He is the chief economist at AMP Capital. Shane, why do you think the markets globally and locally have welcomed Biden's win? I think there's two reasons. The first one is relief. It's out of the way. A lot of concern coming into this election about a contested election, a a result that may take months to be worked out and so on. Now it's out of the way. Share markets have fallen coming into this. Aussie share market fell 5.5% or so up until a week or so ago. So that has been unwound. And, of course, we've gone beyond that on the back of that relief. The second reason, I think, is that the market likes Biden's policies. And the fact that the Senate is still likely to be controlled by the Republicans, that all means that Biden probably won't get through his tax hikes, but he will get through some stimulus. We're probably not going to see the intensity of the trade wars we saw. And I think there's also a feeling that Biden will help settle down the US economy, see it more unified, which will make it easier for companies, for businesses to deal with the US. So all of those reasons explain the rebound in share markets we've seen. So based on history, what government makeup does the market prefer and why? History tells us quite clearly that the US share market, this is going way back to 1927, prefers Democrats in the White House than Republicans. And it also prefers, though, a divided government. The best outcome is actually when you've got a Democrat president and Republicans controlling either the House, the Senate or both. And that, that, puts, a, that puts a bit of a break on the more leftward tendencies of Democrat presidents. And historically, that outcome has delivered an average return for the US S&P 500 of about 16.4%, whereas when you've got Republican presidents, um, you're down around 9%. So typically, share market has done much better under Democrat presidents, but where Republicans control one or other of the houses in Congress. What are Biden's policies that will actually impact the market? The key policies that will have an impact under Biden are his tax policies, fiscal stimulus, I think his climate policies, and I think more broadly, and this is particularly important for Australia, his trade policies. They're going to be the key focus. So far, it looks as if he won't get his tax hikes through, so the share market would prefer lower taxes to higher taxes. Doesn't mean that's the case for all of us, but that's what the share market would prefer. So the share market likes that fact. But by the same token, Um, You are going to get stimulus under Biden. You are are going to see, I think, a toning down of the trade war, which I think is good for global shares. I think we're going to see a more diplomatic approach to resolving issues with China and other trade tensions around the world. Share market likes that. And I think also um, a bit of nervousness for the share market, parts of the share market anyway, in terms of climate policies in the US. But I suspect that overall, Joe Biden will take a more aggressive approach to dealing with climate that will benefit clean energy companies. So assuming that, assuming a Biden win and a Republican uh, control of the Senate, what will that likely mean for the Australian share market and for our currency? I think the share market is already starting to discount a Biden win but a Republican-controlled Senate, and the share market likes that. It likes that mix of 
stronger stimulus coming through in the US, but less trade wars and the negative of higher tax rates in the US being avoided. Um, I, I think we've already seen a good reaction in our share market. It's particularly positive for cyclical stocks, the stocks that will benefit from a stronger US economy because Australia will benefit from a stronger US economy. We're probably also going to see a benefit for stocks that are exposed to Chinese exports because if the US starts to talk better with China, then we probably will have to as well. So that's also a positive. I think the other part of the market that will benefit is clean energy stocks that will benefit from Joe Biden's more aggressive approach to dealing with climate change. And then what about the challenges of a Democrat House and a Republican Senate? What kind of challenges do they throw up? It basically gets referred to as gridlock. It's harder for the president and the Democrats to get through their policies, for example, in taxes. There's going to be periods of uncertainty when the the Democrats want to pass a budget or want to increase the debt ceiling. And so that tells us there's going to be a bit of volatility along the way. But by the same token, as we saw through the Obama years, I think the Republicans did come to realise that blocking measures uh, from the president usually works against them, particularly when those measures help the ordinary American. The other aspect, of course, is that there is actually a good working relationship between Joe Biden and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. They've been in Washington for decades. They work pretty well together. So I think that might help smooth things a little bit. And don't forget... Through the Obama years, Obama often brought in Joe Biden to try and resolve budget impasses. Shane Oliver there, the Chief Economist at AMP Capital. And the Australian share market did rise today on the back of that news at the weekend. The S&P ASX 200 up 1.8%, 6,298. That is the highest since March the 5th. BHP led the gains up by 3.5%. CSL added 1%. ANZ fell nearly 2%, although it did go ex-dividend. Tabcorp lost almost 3% on service issues at the weekend. We saw some record highs from uh, real estate-related companies like REA Group and Domain. So for more on that and the rest of the day's market action, I spoke earlier with Elio D'Amato from Daylight Financial Group. Elio, the Australian share market is at an eight-month high. We're on track for the best November ever, but surely it can't just be the outcome of the US election. No, to be quite frank and honest with you, it's all the stimulatory activity we're seeing right around the world. I mean, all this free money being poured into economies from central banks and governments, let's face it. I mean, we've we've had the most supportive uh, economies of any crisis that the world's ever faced uh, in its history. And this free money is, supports asset values, um, you know, because ultimately none of it's really making its way to the real economy. It's that filter down approach. So if you support asset values, it then makes its way down. Now, the asset values is why the share market's up. And quite frankly, there's so much free money running around. Even you could be elected US president and the share market would still be going up. Yeah, not interested though. Um, so where do you see the share market going and what will drive the market now? Well, the good news is leading into the end of this calendar year is that the AGM season was actually quite pleasing. We had a number of upbeat statements. There were some lingering concerns around COVID and the potential impacts, but most businesses have put that behind them, adjusted their business models and are now ready to take on uh, the remainder of this financial year. I suspect that will be the major catalyst. There won't be much driving markets, obviously, beyond the US election and the uncertainty surrounding that. But from a corporate perspective, not much driving markets till at least we come out of the January hiatus. So that is generally supportive of the markets leading into this uh, end of year. And assuming there's nothing that hits us from the blind side, I'm feeling quite positive. And uh, in terms of what's driving the market today, any news? 
Well, materials are definitely the story here, and they've got the double banger. The uh, main bit being Dali and iron ore prices have gone through the roof. They've gone parabolic, and that's obviously helped the number of our large iron ore producers on the market. And then you take gold, which has also found some support recently as the US dollar. Um, has strengthened, uh, uh, sorry, as the US dollar has weakened, I should say, because it's counter, it's counterbalanced to that. Many people see gold as being a, a store of value and a protection when things get really risky. But in recent years, it's actually become more closely aligned to the US dollar, where when the US dollar weakens because the US economy is seen as being quite good and positive, then, uh, you know, that's when gold prices will do well. But when things are bad and the US dollar strengthens because of the flight to safety of the US currency, gold suffers. So we've got the inverse relationship today and many other gold miners are doing quite well. And uh, Tabcorp, its shares have been extremely volatile lately. Why? Yeah, unfortunately, trouble continues to plague Tabcorp, particularly in its wagering business over the weekend during the spring carnival of all times. Uh, they had a system-wide failure which uh, impacted them over the weekend. Uh, there's been talk across the boards that private equity may very well be looking at the struggling wagering business, trying to take that problem off their hands. We know the lottery side of the business is doing okay, but uh, you know, I mean, that the talk of the possible private equity saw its price jump on the Friday, but then the troubles over the weekend have seen it all come crashing back down right where to where it was. So um, many uh, shareholders wondering whether there needs to be a change at the top. Unfortunately, recent strategies haven't worked. In what has been a highly competitive market, a number of key holders are saying the business should be split up and maybe the wagering business made someone else's problem or at least someone who can solve it. Elio D'Amato there from Daylight Financial Group. Let's talk property now. Australia's love affair with McMansions seems to have returned. Now, according to Comsec and the Australian Bureau of Statistics, it says Australians built the biggest houses in the world in 2019-2020. The average size of 235.8 square metres, that's an increase of 2.9% and is the biggest rise in 11 years. Compared with the US... 233.1 square metres. With more, here's Craig James from Comsec. Well, I think Australians have progressively scaled down the size of home over the last decade or so ago, and now they're saying, well, enough is enough, you know, so we need effectively a little bit more space rather than less space. And I think Australians are being a little bit creative as well. The other things like butlers, pantries, mudrooms and home theatres are seen to be more the norm rather than the exception in terms of what people are building in terms of their, their houses. And Craig James also says given the pandemic and more people working at home and spending time at home, it's a trend that's likely to continue. We're certainly starting to see elements of the trend coming through, speaking to project home builders as well as real estate agents, that Australians are on the lookout for, for, for bigger houses. A lot's going to depend what happens over the next year with, when a vaccine is rolled out, whether you know, so the, the current trend of building a bigger house starts to reverse again. But you know, so it's a very interesting time for anyone in the building trades providing you know, things like fittings for, for kitchens and, and bathrooms, uh, trying to keep up with the, the changes in trends in, in houses. Craig James there, the Chief Economist at Comsec. And quickly before I go, we may be building bigger houses in Australia, but our credit card balances are falling. The RBA says credit card balances are curing interest fell to 
$1.08 billion. That's the lowest since November 2004, a decrease of around 25%. There are just under 13 million credit cards on issue, a fall of 4.8% since the pandemic began. So as we approach Christmas, we're being told not to undo all that good work. Here is Sally Tyndall, Research Director from Raid City. If you've spent the last six months cutting down your credit card debt, just be careful not to go back to your bad old ways. Set up a budget, set up a shopping list, make sure that you can pay for these items with money that you actually have so you don't start the new year with a world of debt in a world of pain. And remember, credit cards do have a higher rate of interest. The average, Sally tells me, is about 17%, and that rate doesn't necessarily fall when the Reserve Bank cuts official interest rates. That is SBS on the Money for this Monday, the 9th of November 2020. I'm Ricardo Gonsalves. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BusinessRicardo. This SBS on the Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Listener.